Hey, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving, we wanted to air an exclusive conversation I had with my friend Graham Allen, one of the good guys. He has a great podcast, and we cross-posted this on both our platforms. So please enjoy this episode, and thank you for supporting us at charliekirk.com slash support. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We live in the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world. Maybe you're listening to this on the way to a family gathering or a gathering with friends. Hopefully, you're not listening to those ridiculous lockdown orders. So I want to thank you guys for your amazing support and getting behind us. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. Enjoy this conversation with Graham Allen. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Good Ranchers began with the standard of bringing tough quality, 100% American-born, raised and harvested meat to the families across the country. This vision was instilled into them from their grandparents that owned community grocery stores and believed in trust, charity, and family values. GoodRanchers.com partners directly with only American ranches from across the United States to bring the highest quality meat straight to your door. Have the best Thanksgiving and Christmas ever with Good Ranchers free hickory honey holiday ham. Every new subscription gets a Berkshire Hickory Honey Smoked Ham for free. Our Berkshire hams are 100% no antibiotics ever, 100% hormone-free, 100% born and raised in America. Hands down, the best ham you will ever eat. Berkshire pork, which is a heritage breed, is known as the world's best pork. And as always, Good Ranchers is 100% American beef and chicken and now pork. Steaks are always USDA choice and higher. And chicken is 100% all natural, no hormones added ever. Give the gift of steak and free hams this holiday season. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Get 100% American-raised beef right to your door. Beef the way it used to be. Get America's best grass-fed grain. Finished beef delivered straight to your door. It is GoodRanchers.com. Promo code CHARLIE. Get 100% American-born, raised, and harvested beef and chicken at GoodRanchers.com. Promo code CHARLIE. GoodRanchers.com. Promo code CHARLIE. Hey, what up, what up, what up? What's going on, America? We have a bombshell episode for you today. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Charlie Kirk is joining us. Charlie, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, look, if there is a podcast that you guys should listen to besides mine, it should be Charlie Kirk's. I'm telling you, I did a thousand mile drive each way to Missouri not too long ago, and I listened to Charlie's show the entire way. You're killing it, man. You're absolutely thank you. killing it. Yeah, thank you. And um, likewise, your your podcast has surged recently, so we're <laughs> we're, we're posting this on both our feeds. Uh, so it's uh, it's great, and um, congratulations on all the success. Oh, man. Well, I'm just trying to be like you, brother. I really am. All right, Charlie, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, This is our Thanksgiving episode. So obviously we're going to talk about uh, just the tyranny that is gripping across our country. Um, It is against the law to celebrate with your family and friends today. Uh, But really quick, we would be remiss not to talk about the election, 
uh, the Sydney Powell stuff that's going on with you since you are here. Um, I just recorded an episode, our last episode, and I gave my predictions of what I think is going on. I would love to hear your thoughts on the Sydney Powell bombshells that just dropped uh, just on Sunday. Yeah, look, so we're we're kind of waiting to see uh, what Sydney Powell has. You know, I've known Sydney for years. She was speaking at our Turning Point USA events years ago yep. at our Young Women's yep. Leadership Summit before she was a household name. And I think she has earned the benefit of trust. And I don't think that everyone yep. in the kind of media circuit has given that to her. Uh, she was talking a really big game with Michael Flynn. And she said, I'm going to get this guy off. I'm going to be able to prove that they entrapped him. And she was mocked by a lot of people. And she ended up being correct. And yeah. she also exposed uh, the barge scandal with Merrill Lynch in her book, License to Lie. I encourage everyone yep. to check out that book. It's a really, really good book. And it, she used to be a prosecutor for the Department of Justice, a federal prosecutor. And so I think that she has really earned our trust. Now, with that being said, Graham, she's making some pretty bombshell accusations. Oh, I mean, extreme accusations, I biblical mean, accusations, yeah. you could say. So, so, I mean, it would be the largest scandal in American history. And I'm not joking about it. I'm not saying she doesn't have that. I am saying it's going to be very difficult to prove. It wouldn't surprise me after what we've seen all these Democrats what they are willing to do and what they're capable of doing. Whether we can prove it or not remains to be seen. And I, I think that now Sidney Powell is in a position where she should start to at least feed the American public with some of the publicly available evidence that she's comfortable with for the reason right. of winning the narrative war. And we are we are running out of time. I mean, there's a 79 day window between the presidential election and the presidential inauguration. We've already eaten up about at the airing of this episode, about 20 to 25 days of that. And right. so, you know, that that clock is definitely, uh, you know, ticking down. But I think that the Trump team distancing themselves from Sidney Powell is I don't even like using that word distancing. I think they're on different tracks. I think that Sidney Powell yeah. is going for a massive low probability win. So it's probably a lower probability that Sidney Powell is able to reverse it based on what she says. But the reward yeah. would be you know, basically the indictment of thousands of people potentially, <laughs> um, yeah. where the Trump campaign, I think, is looking more at uh, singles and doubles, to use a baseball analogy of just kind of, um, you know, more incremental victories of signature verification, absentee ballot yeah. process stuff. That's what we said. That's what we said uh, in the episode. I, I Yeah, I agree with that 100 percent. Yeah, I, I do. I I would love I would love nothing more than the hashtag cracking on steroids to just blow everything up. What do you think about and and obviously this is me and you talking. This is Dear America Uncensored. So this is this is me and you just our opinions. What do you think of the accusations she's saying with uh, Governor Kemp? What, what, what do you think about that? A, a lot of people are saying that, you know, he kind of stabbed Trump in the back a little bit there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with Governor Kemp. I supported him in 2018. Obviously, he was a lot better yep. than Stacey Abrams. Correct. But uh, Raffensperger, who is the Secretary of State, has made a sequence of really bizarre and unacceptable and inexplicable decisions where he has basically catered to the Stacey Abrams lobby when signature verification, absentee ballot requests. So here's a really good example of this. In 2016, there was like 260,000 mail-in ballots in 2016. Sounds like a big number. There were 1.3 million. Uh, returns this mm -hmm. election. Yep. And so yep. what what guarantees what has Kemp or Raffensperger been able to give us 
that they were able to check all 1.3 million ballots. Did they hire more staff? What were poll watchers allowed? I mean, that's an, that's an enormous scale, right? So anyone who has built any businesses, you know, if, for example, if, you know, at our Turning Point USA Student Action Summit, you're speaking there, we're hosting yep. it, you know, in Palm Beach, we're, we're anticipating about 5,000 people. Okay. Yep. So we're ready for 5,000 people, the infrastructure, the hotel rooms. If all of a sudden, three weeks before, you told me there were going to be 50,000 people, I would I'd say I don't have the infrastructure for this. That's the kind right. of scaling. Right. And that's exactly what ro- happened with Georgia and this entire mail-in ballot is they had an expectation of maybe a half a million ballots and then 1.3 million ended up being turned in. And so we have never been – we haven't been given answers of – did you verify all these signatures the same way you did in 2016? Did you make sure these people were all living in the state? Absolutely not. The answer, the answer, they no, don't, they don't have the personnel not. to do that. And so – and I, I, I am of the opinion that Kemp and Raffensperger were trying to rush this thing through. They, they, they had an adversarial relationship with Trump, Kemp in particular, around the appointment of Kelly Loeffler to the U.S. Senate seat. And they're part of more of the establishment wing of the party. And I hope that they will start to make – write this problem in Georgia where we know there was fraud. We know it. And the Absolutely. question is whether or not they'll actually have the courage, their convictions to reverse it. Yeah. So I'm glad you went that route, Charlie. And I don't want to dive too far into this rabbit hole because I want to get into Thanksgiving tyranny. And then at the end, I really want to like, like just throw some stuff at you. And, and I'm really excited to throw this video clip at okay. you and 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 I'm I'm excited about it because I just brought it up in my last episode and and I would be interested for someone else to listen to it um but talking about uh the election and everything like that I I feel me personally I am at this point I am 100% positive that voter fraud occurred that whether you believe the Sidney Powell you know the the Kraken you know as far as all that goes that is yet to be seen. And hopefully, I hope she does prove it. Oh, yeah. But what do you do when you now have the count is 74 million plus for Donald Trump right now? Um, what do you do, Charlie, when you have legitimately at minimum 74 million Americans that truly believe that this election was stolen from them? Not that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president that he legitimately is not the president and he did not win. We are we are teetering on some very, very, very serious potential uh, issues in our country because you have people, it's no longer, well, he's an illegitimate president, he didn't win the popular vote, blah, blah, blah. It is no, like they had for Trump. It is now, all of these people truly believe, at least the vast majority, no, this election was stolen from us. Well, where, where do you where do you see this going? Yeah, I mean, I hold that view, too. And so that's not an that's not a baseless view. The media would like you to believe that uh, it's the Chicagoization of American politics where they built an infrastructure of organized crime to try and steal this. And it was done in a variety of different ways. There's many different parts of voter fraud. And I, I think that for most viewers, they're just starting to get caught up on the many years of research I've done on this. And so I kind of have yep. to always walk through this because it just hundreds seems, of pages that you found. Yeah, exactly. We have hundreds of pages here of 
of different pieces of indicted voter fraud that, again, I, I have to just walk through this very meticulously. So there's first and foremost, there's voter registration fraud, right? So this is one part of voter fraud where you go to at-risk uh, parts of the population, developmentally disabled, nursing homes, dementia units, and you register a lot of people to vote elderly people, and then you're able to intercept the ballots or help them fill out the ballots for your own political candidate or favor. Uh, this is something that has now been revealed in Wisconsin, where a whistleblower came forth a couple days ago by the name of Susan, where she said all 20 of her developmentally disabled clients and her patients, I should say, were forced to vote for Joe Biden. This is a practice called wow. granny farming huh. by the New York Times. And this is, a, this is a, a verified article that was in the mainstream press, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The rest of the country doesn't cover it. So that's what portion of it, which is the voter rolls. Who's actually on the voter rolls? Why are dead people on the voter rolls? Why have people that have moved on the voter rolls? And there are very easy ways to clean the voter rolls. This is not this is not something that is difficult, right? We act as if this is, you know, a big thing where we need committees. It's super simple, okay? And states that have done this, like Florida, end up having the most transparent and trusted elections in the country where they're able to report quickly and people know the winner is legitimate and no one's actually questioning it. Do you notice that Joe Biden's not questioning the results in Florida? Why? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's because in Florida, when someone dies and there's a death certificate that is submitted to the county, they're automatically removed from the voter roll. It's a super simple practice, right? So you right. work with these, you work with the secretary of state's office and the coroner and the county, and there's records of all this. And every six months they go through, they say, okay, XYZ passed away. We're going to remove them from the voter roll. It's not that hard. The same with when right. someone moves out of state, right? So you, move, you, you sell a piece of property in Gainesville, Florida. You move to Georgia or you move to Tennessee or wherever. You all of a sudden, you say, I'm no longer a Florida resident. You're moved off of the voter. That's not that hard to do. What happens in a lot of these states, again, this is just one piece of a 15 parts of way voter fraud can happen, okay, where they don't cleanse the voter rolls. And so specifically in blue states and even more specifically in urban areas, they have these bloated voter rolls of multi-decades of people that have never been cleansed, of people that are not alive, not in the state. They're not active. They're no longer in the area. Now, why does that actually matter? Well, when all of a sudden you get into a vote-by-mail period, and the vote-by-mail period has now really we've entered into that era in America for the worse and you start sending out ballots that people never requested. Well, then people yeah. that have moved, that have died, that are no longer even in the same time zone, that, that ballot is going to be sent to those areas, especially to college campuses, nursing homes and shared living centers where a lot of people are registered to vote at the same address. And so a great example that I give is someone I know who's a landlord of a piece of property in downtown Philadelphia near Temple University and Drexel University where a lot of students live. Those campuses are basically closed right now. Those right. those like shared housing units were getting dozens of ballots sent to that place despite no one living there all throughout the month of September. Now, he's a good landlord. He got all the ballots and he either destroyed them or submitted them. But imagine if he wasn't a good person. Imagine yeah. if and this idea that there are not criminals in our midst that are going to try to compromise the system. It's, it's so foolish, especially when you have 150 million people participating in it. So I don't want to take too much time of it. I'm happy to you know, refer people to my podcast, but that's just one portion yeah. is, is the voter registration part of it, right? Then the other part of it, again, there's 15 of these buckets. The other part of it is the actual, the vote gathering of it, right? Which is right. who's actually intercepting these ballots? Who's gather, Who's Who's accepting them? Who's turning them in? Who's overseeing it? So this is a practice called ballot laundering, right? So to where you take, it's the Ozark election, as you tweeted yeah. out. And I said, um, I, I mentioned it. It's, it's no different than Marty Bird running our elections where you have dirty ballots that get clean 
screened and they put in the system and you have no idea who they are. Then there's a the whole yeah. thing about the vote counting and who's actually counting the votes. Are they tearing up Trump votes? We have video of that. Are they throwing away ball- uh, ballots they don't like? We have video of that. Are they accepting ballots that are illegitimate? We have video of that. Right. So you put all these pieces together. All of a sudden, you start to have what really looks like a criminal network that could then influence an election by 30 or 40,000 votes or 100 or 200,000 votes. And let me say this, Graham, really quick. And again, I I could go through all the other different buckets and evidence. It's just I don't want to exhaust your viewers on this for those of you that have heard it before. But here's the bigger point. Let's just think about this from a macro perspective. People cheat on everything. People cheat on Monopoly, people cheat at poker, people cheat on their taxes, people cheat when they drive to work, okay? They run red lights, they disobey no U-turn signs, they don't put on their seatbelt, some people drink and drive, don't do that. (laughs) Right, people disobey rules all the time. You're trying to tell me that when the ultimate prize, the $4 trillion government and the best army that you heroically served in ever to exist in the history of the planet is now up for grabs, that all of a sudden people are going to act perfectly and ethically. The very same people who cheat on their taxes, who launder money, who cut corners. Now they're all of a sudden going to say, now I'm going to put on a badge of doing everything perfectly. It's foolish. It's silly. No one should take that argument seriously. And they also say this. They say that there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. First of all, that's a subjective statement mixed with an objective statement. So, for example, what does widespread even mean? 1%, 2%, 5%? Well, 1% wouldn't be widespread, but 1% could impact an election. 1% would mean that Trump wins Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania, and he's president. So this term widespread is a stupid word. We should never accept it again. But here's the other part of it, is that if you would have told someone in Boston in the 1960s or 70s that there were hundreds of Catholic priests molesting children, they'd say, you're a liar, sit down and shut up. You're not allowed to say that. It wasn't until the investigations came out and we looked into it, we found it. If you would have told me 10 years ago, as I was an Eagle Scout and Boy Scouts of America, that 89,000 people would come forward and say they were sexually assaulted in the Boy Scouts of America, I would say there's no way. Show me the evidence. We didn't know this till investigation started. If you would have told me in 2005 that Jeffrey Epstein was flying to private islands with Bill Clinton and internationally sex trafficking underage women, I'd say that doesn't make any sense. What's the point? Is our paradigm of which we view things needs to be challenged sometimes because we now have multiple decades of evidence of things that we once thought were, were like impossible that get unraveled once we look into it. We have evidence to show that this is well worthy of a concerted, well-funded, journalistic, and governmental investigation. And anyone who tries to stop you from doing that are the same people that would have been defending the Catholic Church in the 1970s or defending the Boy Scouts of America the last five years or defending Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein. Sometimes there's more to the story, and this is one of those times. Absolutely, absolutely. Fact checkers are a big issue with this, too. I've said this on the show a couple of times. Uh, Thomas Edison, if Facebook had been around when he said, you know what, I think I can make a candle last forever. He'd have been fact checked and kicked off of Facebook Um, thousands of years ago. If people would have said, you know what, I don't think we're the only planet here. He would have, they would have been fact-checked and kicked off of Facebook. So You also had people like Elizabeth Warren and Klobuchar who, weeks before the election, were, were showing their concern for things like Dominion and how easy it is yep. for fraud to happen. And then now Biden's, you know, president-elect or whatever, no, there's no, there's no you know, issues with Dominion at all. Why are you questioning the election? It's just so funny how they flip-flop. Well, well we'll get back to election and, and just this big tech tyranny that is going on. Because I truly believe that we are already in our, I call it our, well, I won't go that far yet. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. This is the Thanksgiving episode. All right. We're going to get carried away. Let's do this thing. Okay. Charlie, 
I have already stated publicly, and I'll state it here for this episode, I plan on, even if a mandate comes down, which thankfully South Carolina has not yet, I will break the law and I will have as many people over at my house as I want to have at my house because mm-hmm. ain't nobody going to tell me when I can and cannot see my family. Um, I would assume, Charlie Kirk, that you are the same way. Let's talk about tyranny, literal tyranny that is happening in our country. And worse, with from elected uh, uh, officials, yeah. a government of the people, by the people, for the people, right? Like that's the whole point. Where did we go terribly wrong? What is happening? There's almost always a rise in break-ins during the Christmas season. Thugs and vigilantes, people that want your stuff and your family, will start breaking into homes. That's why Simply Safe Home Security is having a massive Christmas sale. Up to 50% off any Simply Safe system and free security camera. Recently, U.S. News and World Report called it the best home security of 2020. So whether you're traveling or staying put for the Christmas season, check out up to 50% off plus security camera deals before it ends this week. So they have high quality equipment, great camera footage, and ease of setup. All the property I care about uses Simply Safe. You can get it set up in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. Then Simply Safe security specialists take over monitoring your home around the clock and ready to send emergency help the moment there's an alarm. So get up to 50% off Simply Safe plus a free security camera today by visiting simplysafe.com slash Charlie. Go today. This deal is this week only. That's simplysafe.com slash Charlie. Simplysafe.com slash Charlie. Well, yeah, everyone should disobey these orders. And if you're an at-risk population and you could possibly get compromised by the virus, then make a decision in your own, uh, using your own liberty and make it responsibly. But for the 99% of the population that's not going to die from this thing, that's under the age of 30, that doesn't have pre-existing health conditions, then it's time to disobey. And it's not just time to disobey a little bit. It's time to disobey a lot. Where we where we went wrong, Graham, is a lot of different ways. One of the ways that we went wrong, and I think this is finally starting to crack, is the expert class in this country has been so phenomenally wrong about everything the last couple of years that I think their their legitimacy is soon going to be so damaged that people will no longer trust anything they say. We're not there yet. But we are we still have a fair amount of people that will trust anything that they read in The New York Times and CNN where we really went wrong with this, though, is that and I don't I don't I don't think we're part of this. I just think that the leaders of some of these states are are pandering along this way too much is that we value safety far more than we value freedom. And that's a very dangerous sequence of uh, choices to be. So that's a very dangerous sequence of events. And so. I, I, have, I have so many questions I'd love to ask a public health official about all this and a Republican governor. And they don't talk to me anymore. Those don't because they know they're wrong. And they right. know that. I mean, and a great example of this, again, I'm going to keep on bringing up someone who I think is worthy of platforming because we can go through Whitmer and Kate Brown and Pritzker and uh, Cuomo and Newsom. They're all awful. They're all terrible. We know that. And Larry Hogan and Mike DeWine and Charlie Baker, Republicans and Democrats alike, Kim Reynolds right. with the mask mandate, Doug Burnham in North Dakota, the mask mandate. They're terrible. But let's talk about the people that are actually doing something right. And I think Governor Ron DeSantis deserves a tremendous amount of credit because he's been yeah, under a huge amount of pressure to shut down the state of Florida again, to issue a mask mandate. And every time he'll give a similar speech, which is, look, here are the facts of the virus. 
If you live in a nursing home, if you live and you're over the age of 70 and you're immunocompromised, take this very seriously. And he's very clear about that. And he should be. That's his duty. He says, however, if you are 18 to 30, then make decisions that will benefit your life using the freedom that I am now protecting for you. I'm not granting to you. I'm protecting. And Florida has done an amazing job. It's an immensely popular position. Small businesses are not going under. Schools remain open. Families are flourishing. There's going to be a lot of good Thanksgiving celebrations across the state of Florida. Liberty is really hard. Okay, Liberty is a difficult thing. And, yes. and so here's a great example of Thanksgiving liberty that we never talked about, okay? So do you know the number one drinking night of the year is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? It is. Is it because of all the family being there? Is that well, what it is? Well, there's a lot of different competing theories about this, right? But this is a very good example, right? So it's the number one, outside of New Year's Eve, I think, in July 4th, it's the number one year for DUIs. At least it was in the Midwest when I was talking to sheriff's associations. It was super interesting. Here's one of the reasons why. Is it super dark, right? It's where the sun, yeah. it, it goes down uh, really early, and that just leads to drinking. There's direct connection to the lack of vitamin D and people that want to find some sort of chemical reprieve from that. Uh, family members being around. And also, you have a couple days to kind of shake it off, right? You got Thanksgiving, you got yeah. Black Friday, you got the weekend. So it makes sense. So thousands of people, let me be very clear, thousands of people will get in car accidents this weekend because of alcohol, because of the mismanagement of alcohol, because yeah. of bad decisions. Now, Pennsylvania has come out and they have said, we are banning alcohol for one evening during Thanksgiving. I don't know if you've seen that or not. That, no, I haven't seen that. that. Wow. That, that's not going to go over well. But no. at least, no, 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 but it's actually really important. At least Tom Wolf is now making my argument, which is okay. If all you care about is people's safety and no freedom, then you might as well ban alcohol on Thanksgiving. He's doing it. Now he's all in, right? His whole, yeah. by the way, he should make speed limits 10 miles an hour. He should yeah. say you have to bicycle, you know, and. No, people, people should just walk at this point. I mean, if you're really worried about that's it. That's right. Yeah. But if, <sighs> if, if, if we are going to now continue on this trend of what I call safetyism, which is a belief that at all costs, we must forsake liberty for safety, then you should get rid of drinking on Thanksgiving weekend because it would save hundreds of lives. Yeah. When we, this is the biggest thing that we've been talking about a lot. I I have, I have started saying this a lot and and this phrase, and a lot of people have really like, like, like popped off with this. It's uh, it is my version of it's the 2020 version of don't tread on me. And it is simply two words, make us like, like, and, and I really do believe that make us. And it should be an anthem that real Americans should really, really start saying is make us prove to us that we have to do this. Why do we have to do this? We elected you. Technically, you work for us. Why? Why are we listening to this thing that we know is not constitutional, that we know is against our God given rights as Americans? Make us Charlie, the problem that I see on our end. And granted, you are far smarter than me. You're smarter than I'll ever be, man. You know, I learned so much stuff from you. But I would like to believe that that that, that I pick up on emotional things from people and the and the issue that I am seeing with Americans right now, especially conservatives, is there's a lot of people who say they believe something. There's a lot of people who say they stand for something. There's a lot of people who 
I think they legitimately believe that they do. But when push comes to shove, when their paychecks get threatened, their comfort gets threatened, their credibility gets threatened or their friendships Mm -hmm. or relationships get threatened, they just bow their head and they just go and walk among the masses. Just don't cause any problems. Weak conservatives. And it's really starting to bother me because we need people that are willing to stand up and we need people that are not afraid to stand that line. And respectfully, even with police officers, police officers are being put in horrible positions right now uh, to enforce things that even they know are constitutional. But we need Americans that are willing to stand up and say, Make us. Charlie, are are you picking up the same thing that we are? Yeah, and it's not a total surprise that you'll have a bunch of people that'll talk a good game and not actually act on it. I mean, the American Revolution was vocally supported by about a third of the country, but actually was really fought by less than 1% of the country Uh, at most. Absolutely. With the supply lines and with the actual infrastructure, 3% of the country was involved. And so that's kind of this law replicates itself typically in kind of these fights because it is more popular to go side with the British. It's way more popular to, you know, pledge your fealty to King George. That, that's, that's easy. Right. It's a lot easier to all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, I'm all in on this American experiment thing, conservatism. But then it's hard to reopen your bakery. It's hard to open your gym against the orders of Phil Murphy or Gavin Newsom or J.B. Pritzker or Tony Evers or any of these governors that have decided to be, you know, mini Benito Mussolini, Joseph Stalinites. Right. And so the the question then is, what is our role? And I will say this, that the Republican Party has plenty of problems. The one thing that I've learned about the Republican Party is that they need very specific marching orders. They need to do, they'll do what they're told. And so that's not always the case, but it's on us, not on them. We need to give them the cadence to march. And a great example Absolutely. of this, a great example of this is when Senator Mike Braun from Indiana over the summer came out in support of BLM Incorporated. He was asked specifically on some podcast, do you support the BLM Inc. movement? And he paused and he said, yes, I do. So Tucker Carlson and myself were two of the most aggressive people that went after Mike Braun, calling for his primary, calling for his resignation. He had never experienced a whirlwind like that. And within 48 hours, he retracted it and said, I think BLM is a Marxist deconstructionist group. He also pulled this piece of legislation to try and put forward some sort of police reform, which was total nonsense. What's the moral is moral. That story is that Mike Braun did not die on that hill. He realized that with the Republican base that was angry at him and that wanted a certain a certain amount of fulfillment of his promises to the people of Indiana, he went to the direction of, I am now going to actually be rooted in common sense, not pandering of racial politics and of insurrectionist forces. The same has to be here, that if you're a governor, a Republican governor, and you're shutting down your state and issuing issuing mask mandates, all of you will be primaried. All of you. Yeah. You will be kicked out of the Republican Party. This is now a party of strong Republicans that President Donald Trump has remade the same way FDR remade the Democrat Party in the 1930s. This is not going to go away. And if you're Larry Hogan or Charlie Baker or Mike DeWine or if you're Kim Reynolds doing these mask mandates or Doug Burnham doing these mask mandates and you try to shut down your state again, then we will not forget that and you'll have a political price to pay. Yeah. yeah, but see, Charlie, the only thing and I agree with you 100 percent, but the only thing that 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 has really started to 
work with me, not only in my mind, but, you know, you can say spiritually as well, like like this really just started kind of rumbling in my spirit per se is I don't really know how much longer I want to wait until the primaries come and, and then the next elections come and things like that. Are, are we not getting dangerously close to the point where the time is actually now to stand up and the time is actually now to go about things? I, I mean, I, I'm just asking, are we getting close? I, I've been doing a lot of research on the the forming of the Republican Party in general, right? Are we not getting close to, you know, and you kind of hinted on it. You said Trump has, has vitalized, you know, th- these this new form of Republicans, Maybe, and I heard Newsmax talking about it the other day, maybe it is time for a third party, not an independent or things like that. I mean, maybe maybe it is time. Well, what, what are your thoughts on something like that? The, the only challenge is that it would definitely splinter and give an advantage to the Democrats. And so I'm all for a MAGA party. If all of a sudden they blink first and they start a socialist party, then all of a sudden I think there's a great opening to do that. Uh, the problem with kind of the system that we have is you have to build a broad-based coalition. You have to bring a fourth a lot of forces together. And, and so that's my only fear is that it would splinter. But however, ideologically, you're exactly right. So what do we do right now? People say, what do I do? Commit yourself to reopening the country. It's the most important fight right now and the recount and all that stuff's important let me tell you why is that if they get their way of locking down the country then they are going to enact the great reset that the davos world economic forum elite have been talking about it's one world government stuff and why do the lockdowns matter to that the lockdowns will cripple the american capital advantage so significantly it'll cripple middle class workers and the muscular class that all of a sudden the great reset will sound attractive to a lot of very vulnerable suffering people if you reopen the country all of a sudden the great reset becomes widely unpopular and the Justin Trudeau international global elite run by Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, they will be repudiated regardless of what happens on January 20th at the inauguration. So people say, what can I do? Open up your country. If you know a small business that remains closed, ask them why. If you know a pastor that remains closed, get them open. If every person listening to this helped actually play a part and play a role in reopening America, then the ushering in of the Great Reset will be very much disrupted, if not defeated. No, I I, I agree. And that's that's kind of what um, that's kind of what I've been saying. Jay, can you look up the and then they came from me poem and send it to me? And, 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 and we're naturally going into where I want to take this um, thing. I, well, you know, you brought up a great point, but one thing that I'm also really starting to notice, Charlie, have you seen that viral video where they took like hundreds of different news outlets, local news? Yeah, opera- it's, it's Operation Mockingbird is what it is. Uh, yeah. Yes. So yes, and they're all saying the exact same thing. Well, that's working very much towards the one media outlet, right? Like the one the one-stop shop of everything that they want the people to see, they want the people to hear. And now big tech is really starting to play a part in that as well. Charlie, I have been, since I've been reinstated and re-monetized on Facebook, I have been fact-checked and had to fight them twice in the past 10 days um, over this stuff. Um, I got fact-checked over an over a electoral map that was my prediction of what I thought was going to happen in the election. And they fact-checked me saying that that was not true. I got fact-checked over an opinion. I got fact-checked over a guess, 
We are no longer fact checking over what is actually fact or actually not fact based off what these fact checkers deem it to be. We are now simply telling other people that people are lying simply because we don't like what they're saying. And what they're saying can't be true because it contradicts what we're saying. And because it contradicts what we're saying, then we need to remove them. And if you don't play the game and if you don't do this, this is this is why we started pushing so many people to the audio side of the podcast, because we realized we can't even really talk about the things we want to talk about in front of our largest audience. Because if we do the Facebook Dear America Live like we were doing it, they're going to shut us down because we can't we can't even say the things that we want to say from from, from your perspective, uh, from Turning Point's perspective. Are you guys seeing the same things that we are in that regard that big tech is it? Unfortunately, they're kind of starting to win a little bit is what it feels like, at least. Well, for the time being, probably. And I I, I think we need to change our description from big tech to big data companies. They're, they're, these are data companies. They're not tech companies in the sense that. OK, that, that's fair. Well, yeah, and, No, it's actually fair. it's not on you. It's just on, I just was thinking about this the other day because their whole model is just basically spying on people and then surveilling them and then selling products that you think they might like because you are actually the product. You are. If you're listening yeah. to this, you are being sold at an auction every single day. And this yeah. is this is a thing called surveillance capitalism and it's and look so one of the main reasons that this all this has been happening is that data ha- surpassed oil in value in 2017. Give you an idea of that. We are now a data-driven economy. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, the people who house the data, the people that surveil you, the people that are able to uh, be able to organize that data, they're going to have all the advantage, right? So Facebook has 5,000 individual pieces of information on every single person listening to this podcast. And so these companies are more powerful. They're more tyrannical than any other source of power than we have ever seen on the history of the planet. And so what, what's ended up happening here is they've created this mirage. They've created an illusion. If you ever seen the movie, The Illusionist, it's very similar to this, right? Mm-hmm. So where they've created this something that is completely and tor- tar- totally artificial and fake in this fact, this fact checking construction where they act as if they're independent arbiters, when in reality they are social justice warrior, BLM incorporated, woke, transgender activist style activist, honestly, that go through and they say, oh, we're going to fact check because we're impartial. No, you're not. I I have fought these people on things that are verified facts, that are publicly available information, and they just, they decide to ding you on a technicality on something that they think one word. word. It could be one word. It could be in the description. It could be in the, it could be in something that you say in the video that might for a great example is this. Okay. So I said that there was 1,776% increase in 90 plus year olds registering to vote in Pennsylvania. It's 1,774. Okay. I was off by 2%. It was on a live stream. I had my numbers confused. Was I lying to my audience? Of course I wasn't. I got right. one number wrong. I was off by 2% on a variable of 1,774% versus 1,776%. They decided to ding me as untrue. Okay, again, that, that is so unbelievably pathological to do that. You know exactly what I was saying. And, and they, yes, they, exactly. could, they, they could have sent me a message like, hey, next time do this or else we're going to ding you. Instead, it's boom, here's a strike against your account. We're going to demonetize you. And so yeah. 
And so this That's is exactly what they did to yeah, us. But I will say this, though, and I'm starting to see a sea change, Graham. I'm starting to see Republicans calling to regulate these companies. Very good. And I'm starting to see the entrepreneurial self-awareness that is uniquely American, not European, start to set in. For example, I'm using this website called Rumble. I didn't even heard about Rumble a month ago. I got 140,000 subscribers on Rumble in one week. Uh, I'm yep. using Parler more. Parler has some technical glitches, but I have 680,000 followers there. I guess it's kind of good. Um, yeah. But the point is this, and here's a really interesting thing, is these tech companies actually all hate each other. And you're starting to see all these tech companies act differently. Let me give an example. I've been live streaming uninterrupted all this t- this voter fraud stuff. Google has strangely left me alone in the last month. Facebook has gone full Soviet. Twitter yeah. has in, has boosted my engagement. I have more engagement than ever on Twitter. So there is no rhyme or reason to what every tech company is doing. Now, there will be a time where they all get on the same page probably and they do a great suppression. That will only happen if we lose the Senate though. That sort of collusion is cartel practices. We have laws right. against that stuff. And so what I am saying though is that it's on the surface very t- disturbing somewhat depressing, but I'm starting to see a lot of different variables all of a sudden come on kind of the, 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 the landscape here, kind of come on the chessboard that I think is very interesting. And I actually think that we're going to have the better side of these tech companies in the next 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And, and, and uh, you know, well, at least I hope, and, and, and I just heard about rumble myself. I just created an account. We're thinking about starting to put the podcast video only on rumble etc but but i like i really like and, and like you said the entrepreneurial conservatives are starting to get smarter like for example owning the rss feeds for our podcast and pushing more people there etc etc well, and, um, and and one other thing before ahead. you say we have to train our audience this is a really important thing right so the more we talk about this and the more we make our audiences aware like hey there might be a time where all of a sudden i might not exist on facebook so please go subscribe on other platforms please get ready for the silencing. It does two things. It makes the silencing less likely to happen because they love surprise attacks and they don't like the I told you so. But if they actually end up doing it, our audience won't be shocked and it won't be a massive interruption to our distribution. So what I tell content creators is diversify, post everywhere. Yep. And and all of a sudden, if you lose a vertical, okay, I still have five of six. I know I'm not going to lose Parler. I know I'm not going to use lose Rumble. Okay, that's that's a good thing, right? I'm not going to yep. lose YouTube. And I hope not in the short term. And I'm not going to lose my podcast feed. So even if the Facebook and Twitter and Dorsey and Zuckerberg came together and say, we hate this Charlie guy. Let's digitally assassinate him. My 1.5 million on Instagram, my 1 million on Facebook, not nearly your size, go away. <laughs> that would be bad. Right. That would not be good. That would be something that would be my life's work in that arena would be yeah. gone, but it wouldn't be catastrophic. And right. and, and that's what I'm. So I, I, I we have to train our audiences. So if you're listening to this, if I just disappear one day on a social media platform, you can find me in other places and make sure you reward us, Graham and us, by subscribing on our other feeds and getting behind us on alternative means of communication. Getting in shape doesn't have to be about losing a specific amount of weight. All of you that are going into Thanksgiving and Christmas season, I know it's easy to put on a couple extra pounds. Pumpkin pie, stuffing, cranberry, just a little less activity than usual. I get it. Also, commit yourself to lose weight. And that's what Noom is all about. But it's more than just losing weight. It is a lifestyle changer. They take a physical, psychological, and social approach. Uh, You can integrate Noom into your life because you trust yourself to make good choices. 
The psychological part of it is the ability to make healthy choices more easily, understand your thought patterns better, a stronger sense of self-worth. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. If you go off track, that's okay. You're human. It's understandable. But Noom is able to really be able to encourage you and give you the data that you need because it's based in psychology. Chat with a goal specialist and Noom community to get and give help to people going through the same things. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up today at Noom.com, N-O-O-M.com slash Charlie. That's Noom.com slash Charlie. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's a good point. And all of this brings me into, like I said, me personally, in my mind, in my spirit, like I've been I've been dealing with a lot here lately, trying to figure out, okay, you know, this is great. Breaking the Internet's great. You know, making, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I like money just like anybody else. Making money is a great thing. Uh, but, but getting the message out, what can I do? Because these are things that I'm really starting to see that this isn't just a political battle anymore. Full transparency. I've been doing this for four years. Four years ago, I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, fast forward two years uh, ago, I was starting to figure out, you know, politics a little bit. To now, I'm starting to realize that we are legitimately in what I believe is a spiritual war underneath the veil of politics. That's what I believe it to be. And so I've really been struggling with what can I do more than what I'm currently doing. So, Charlie, I said I was going to play you a clip. But it's been brought to my attention that during the speech of the clip, that's actually what I want you to hear. There's a lot of excess noise and cut scenes because it's a movie, right? So have you ever seen the movie V for Vendetta? Have you ever seen that movie? A long time ago, but I'm familiar with the storyline and with the kind of aesthetic that that the movie has, which is right. It's very um, it's not cartoonish, but it has an aesthetic of um, uh, kind of film noir, almost uh, yes. exaggerated type uh, blood and gore scenes. Is that is that yes, a correct yes, way to yes, yes. describe when, when it? Yes, when okay. he kills people in the movie. Yes. So so it is based in London. Okay, like 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 the movie's based in London, but it is about um, this figure, and his name is V. And some people would consider him the villain. Some people would consider him the patriot. You know, it truly is whether or not it can be argued you're, uh, you know, uh, a Democrat or Republican, how you view the movie. But either way, there's this scene in the movie and I'm going to try to read you. I actually found the speech online instead of just playing you the clip. So they have a one world media system in this world. And it is very uh, tyrannical. Uh, They call them the censors is what they call them, where if you say something you're not supposed to say against the grand chancellor, the censors come up, which can be argued the fact checkers today, etc. So V ends up infiltrating the, the media company and he broadcasts to the people. And it shows these people that are literally locked in their homes because they don't leave their homes anymore. Uh, food is brought to them. They're, they're afraid of diseases, all these other kind of things. And, and, and here's some paragraphs that I, I want to run by you. And you tell me if it's not creepy how prophetic sometimes movies can be and, and where we are right now. So it's blah, 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 blah for a couple of minutes. Um, and he starts talking about, okay, here we go. I thought we could mark this November 5th 
a day that is sadly no longer remembered by taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. This is V talking to the people. There are, of course, those who don't want us to speak. I suspect even now orders are being shouted into telephones and men with guns will soon be on their way. Why? Because while the truchiny or the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is there is something terribly wrong with the country, isn't there? Cruelty and injustice intolerance and oppression, and where you once had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have censors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and soliciting their submission. Here's the best part. I know it's a little long, but bear with me. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into the mirror. I know why you did it. I know why you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a maraud of problems with conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you. And then it goes on and on. And there's there's another speech. Uh, you know, it, it goes a lot longer than that. But are those words that were written? In a movie that was supposed to be this far-fetched idea, you know, never could have happened. It's science fiction almost. How eerily similar are those words that we find ourselves dealing with right now today? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar. Based on that, what you just said, uh, I bet they were taking a lot of inspiration from Orwell in 1984 where yeah, yeah, there was a ministry of truth where there was a centralized command mm -hmm. and it was actually the exact opposite. That was so ironic about it. And that's where we get the ideas of double speak and double think, uh, new speak, where they actually change language. And mm -hmm. yes, that's exactly where we are headed, uh, if not there already. And the the part about looking in the mirror is exactly right. And every single person listening to this podcast needs to take personal responsibility for the country that you want to live in. I'm thinking of, and I don't want to give too much of a, you know, of a hand tilt to this of where I'm going, but <laughs> right. th there's a big, there's a big chance, Graham, large chance that our generation will be the last Americans. Yeah, no, I, 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 wow. I that that's what we've been talking about. Literally every episode is the United States is a very young country to think that we can be the United States and things can stay the way they are for forever is, is naive at best. Yeah. There's a chance that our generation will be the last generation ever to be Americans. Hey, Charlie, I have a question. Uh, this kind of fully encompasses what we've been talking about. There's a quote, you may actually know who uh, said it, but I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. Yeah, I think it's and I think Thomas Jefferson probably said that Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. And I feel like Maybe even half the country believes that, and they would rather have the government take care of them than to risk their lives, whatever. Well, there's freedom. definitely a portion that believes that. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and part of my problem is, you know, I have friends on the left that I talk to occasionally, and we're so polarized now that it worries me that even if we find fraud with the election, that that these people won't care, that we're so divided that they would take the win, 
you know, cheating. They would rather there not be war in the streets over a stolen election and just just take it. So, so what do we do long term? You know, if Marxism, which I feel is the devil, you know, himself, how does it kill 100 million people? And, and yet Americans still want it. Like, how do we where do we go from here? You know, in the future, because this election is one thing, but, you know, Marxism isn't going to die anytime soon. No, it won't. I mean, there's there's a lot of parts to that. I, and there there's a there's an element to this. Look, people do want to be taken care of. Freedom is really impossible if you do not have a spiritual aspect connected to it. So the God, the, the godless secular humanists, they, they teach a type of freedom that is self-indulgent and is quite honestly a form of slavery. And yeah. so without without the you're you're asking them what is the roadmap it's very complex and we are now in fighting times we are in a soft revolutionary period i call yeah. i call it the post institutional period in america where people don't yeah. trust any institutions in america that are telling them what to do what to say how to think what to eat how to vote who counts the votes what to buy stuff from we're now in a post institutional period which is a very dangerous moment if not handled correctly but very exciting if handled correctly and so yeah. let me be very clear if we do our job it could be America's best century we've ever had. If we don't do our job, we're all done. And so right. because the New York Times and because the CDC and Dr. Anthony Fauci and Wall Street bankers and big data, because we don't trust them, all of a sudden there's a massive opportunity to fill that void. There's a huge opportunity on this barren wasteland of what we call the institutional kind of terrain to build anew and to build, support, and defend the good guys. However, we don't do our job, then all of a sudden really, really bad actors will only you know, kind of resurrect these forces and we'll be in a lot of trouble. Here, here's what I will say, though, is kind of this idea of that of freedom not being, um, freedom not being a predominant viewpoint. It's true, though. Uh, people yeah. would much rather be taken care of than actually have to take care of themselves. The only yep. reason why freedom in this country existed in any way that it did is because there was a faith backstop faith. And because of the laws of the old Testament in particular that we take for granted in the West is the only thing that prevents you from using that short term freedom into an absolute reckless endangerment exercise where you end up screwing up your life miserably. Yep. It, and Galatians three talks about this is that the law is a school teacher. It's a guardian that if you follow the laws of Moses and then you point you to Christ, then all of a sudden you're going to live a pretty good life. Not only that, you'll be able to replicate yourself and replicate the country. You forsake that all of a sudden your country will disintegrate that, which is exact disintegrate, which is what we're seeing right now. And I'll say this as this is your Thanksgiving episode, if you're not thankful for the country you live in and you're angry that you live in this country, well, then that's the problem as well. Yep. No, 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 I agree. And, and to your point of what you're saying, a lot of people argue that during the uh, the free love movement and things like that, that's where we started down the road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it takes about two or three generations for it to really uh, take hold. Right. So, you know, a lot of people say that, um, let's, let's finish this out, Charlie. I know your time's valuable. I want to read you one more thing. And, and, and like I said, man, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not pro pro inciting violence or pro civil war or anything like that. However, you know, I, everyone needs a hill to die on. And we talk about this all the time. Everybody, man, you've got to have something that you say no more. Make us. I keep saying that. Charlie, have you ever heard the uh, first they came 
uh, yeah. poem. Have you ever yes, heard that? Yes, of course. Yeah, so so I'm going to read it for the audience just in case any of the audience hasn't heard it. And, um, okay, so it goes like this. Um, first they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. So my challenge to conservatives right now, I would argue to say that there are people that are coming for conservatives right now. My biggest thing, I've said this time and time again, Charlie, me and you have talked at many college campuses. I know you've heard me say this, that, that my biggest issue with the conservatives in general, especially the Christian conservatives, is this idea of just keep your head down, go to work, mind your own business, let the crazy people talk and everything will be okay. Well, it didn't turn out okay. Social media changed all that. The crazy people got louder and louder and louder and the younger generation started to believe it. Conservatives today, you are seeing them come for us. Every single day, you are seeing this. You are seeing the attack against free speech. You're seeing Trump supporters getting beaten at a peaceful protest at the Million MAGA March. You are seeing these things. You are seeing governors say that you can't go outside because the virus is too deadly and you can't go to church and worship. But if the L.A. if the L.A. Lakers win, it doesn't matter. If we continue to not speak and not say anything, who's going to be left to defend everyone else once they take all the rest do of we us really out? Deserve freedom? Well, that, that's a question too. Charlie, what do you think? No one. I mean, that, that's where we're headed. And the eat me last coalition of moderate Republicans and Democrats that think they also won't be censored and kicked off the internet and punished is just a foolish position to have. And so, look, this has to be our big moment. This has to be the moment where we civilly disobey. We stand for speech, but we also have to get really here's I'll close with this. And I I think both of us got to run here, which is that there's this irresistible urge at times in Internet culture to want to mock, ridicule and destroy any podcaster or any person that has any form of success or any, you know, pundit or whatever it might be. And you and I have both experienced this. And as conservatives, there's kind of this very quiet, silent snickering when another conservative kind of gets attacked at times. And this is a really important teaching moment where why don't we spend as more energy building each other up like what we're doing right now, going on each other's podcast, sharing each other's content, because there's yeah. going to be a moment where we're all going to need each other. And that moment's now coming right now. Uh, when they yeah. start, because uh, there might be a time where you might be stronger on a certain platform than me and vice versa, and we're going to need each other. And for yeah. the audience watching, stop spending your social media energy going after and trying to wish harm among, among, amongst people that have some form of success because that there's this really cynical, nihilistic behavior that's happening right now on the internet over the last couple of years where anyone that's doing well in life, there must be some way to destroy them. And let's do the opposite. Let's build up the good guys. Let's support the heroes. Let's support podcasts like both of ours and get behind people that are brave enough to tell the truth. And then all of a sudden you'll see that tide, I think, actually change. Yeah. And to close it out after that, it's hard to to follow that. But be thankful that you live in the greatest country in the world. And let's well, let's try to keep it that way. If uh, you know, if we can go that route, Charlie, man, thanks so much for joining us. Everyone, every single person listening right now, you need to go to the Charlie Kirk 
Uh, you, you need to go subscribe to his podcast, Charlie Kirk, right now. It's super simple. You just type C-H-A and it pops up. It's the first thing. So, Charlie, thanks so much, man. God bless, man. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thank you, brother. You as well. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. If you want to come down to our big gathering in Palm Beach, go to tpusa.com slash SAS. Please consider emailing us your question, freedom at charliekirk.com, and have a blessed day. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.